I'm Bruce Lane from GTI Resources, ASX listed code GTR. Uh, I'm the executive director. We've got exploration projects for uranium and situ recovery uranium in Wyoming and amongst uh, the neighbors of uh, UR Energy, UEC, Cameco, Energy Fuels. And uh, we're actively exploring to expand our existing resources. Uh, good to see you, Bruce, and thanks for coming back on yeah, Wyoming, kind of busy at the moment, certainly on, on everyone's lips, but we'll come back to that. Um, you did some uh, drilling, um, put an announcement out in December, um, confirmatory drilling. I mean, what did you find out? Yeah, look, Matt, we were um, aiming to uh, validate and verify our historical database. So we acquired a database um, back at the start of last year, had 1,700 drill holes in it, 880 of which pertain to the property that we, we then staked. Uh, so we were able to um, define a jork resource, um, inferred resource of 5.7 million pounds off the back of that with a significant exploration target on top of that. And what we wanted to do is go in and check that those um, paper drill logs from the 1970s actually uh, were telling as close as possible to the truth. And so we went in to twin a number of holes there and uh, the good news is that we were able to verify those holes and got the results we expected, so so that was a big tick. And then the second part of that program was to um, just test some of our hypotheses about the exploration potential. And there were uh, two vectors we were really looking at. One was a long trend in the Wasatch Formation, which is the shallower part of the deposit down to about four or 500 feet. Uh, and then below that, there's the Fort Union Formation, and that's the formation that Cameco produces out of at uh, Smith um, Highland Ranch, which is um, uh, about 10 miles to our east. So what we discovered was, uh, yes, the, 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 the potential existed a long trend. Uh, we also found that there's a deeper part of that Wasatch formation that we, we didn't realize was mineralized in some sections that we drilled. And we also uh, got mineralization in the deeper Fort Union. So. Uh, you know, look, not every drill hole hits mineralization, but what we are looking for are oxidation and reduction boundaries on the roll front. And so what that tells us is what the margins are of where the mineralization, um, you know, is occurring. Uh, and it helps us to guide our, uh, our planning for the for the next phase of exploration. So it was very successful on all those uh, on all those measures. Okay, so you spent a bit of money there presumably, doing this confirmatory drilling, and it just tells you what what people had told you you had. But I, I get, given that it's from the 1970s, I guess you needed to be damn, damn sure that what, what was on paper was actually under the ground as well. But how do you move this thing forward in terms of uh, advancing it, okay? You, you, you now know what you thought was there, is there. What do you do in terms of scaling and making it a sort of interesting, interesting story for the market? For acquisitors, uh, for you know, funders. I mean, how, how, how does this thing um, grow? Yeah, it's kind of the sixty-four thousand dollar question, I suppose. Um, look, we've the background is we've also done some geophysics on the prop property, so we've done this confirmatory drilling and we've done some uh, testing of the hypotheses around ex uh, the exploration potential. Um, in addition, we've added a bit of ground, and there was. Um, some drill holes in that bit of ground in the deeper part of the in the Fort Union. So what we're trying to do is build a, a concept of the potential scale of um, the mineralization. So you know, five point seven million pounds is is good, good start. 
We probably want to be closer to 10 to be able to build a central processing plant. Um, the capex for that we think would be in the region of around maybe 75 million US, including some of the bore field costs. Um, and you know, if there's a 10 million pound deposit uh, at at you know 75, 80, maybe hey, maybe it's 100 dollars a pound uranium. You know, that's a that's a billion dollar in ground value. So if we think we can put a plant up, say at 75 to 100 million dollars then the economics of these things look really, really attractive. And that's why there's six or seven in, in the neighbourhood. So what we're trying to do is paint a picture of the scale and then design an exploration program that's you know able to deliver you know that, that sort of more to the 10 million pounds plus mark. And, and the top end of our exploration target is, you know, is, is, is well north of 10 million pounds. But you know, our realistic expectation is to be able to deliver that as a starting point. We've got other projects in our portfolio, and we can build out the resource numbers. But that this is the the juicy spot for us, the jewel on the crown, and it's the next logical step, being ten miles away from Cameco, to actually prove that asset and then move it towards a PEA. Okay, and, and let's let's talk about Cameco. So they have a lot of property in Wyoming, you know, uh, which is you know they're not doing anything with at the moment. But I, I guess at these prices. And maybe reconsidering that, but um, there's also a bit of negative news in Wyoming. You know, Peninsula has struggled for the past couple of years to kind of say to the market, "We are in control of our own destiny here," and I think that's going to rub off on a lot of the Wyoming um, players. So, have you got one eye to growth, but maybe one eye to demonstrating some of the economics that you, you know, you? And I know it's a theory thing; you haven't got the studies, but you know, if, if there's a billion in ground, like how much is recoverable? What do the economics look like for kind of this kind of low-grade Thai project? Um, you know, why is there kind of cause for for positivity around uh, these stories? Yeah, look, um, you know, low-grade. It's not low-grade compared to you know a Namibian uh, open cut. You know, we're probably you know six seven hundred ppm, and your energy you know is producing in that sort of range four to a thousand four hundred to a thousand ppm. I think the uh, Shirley Basin's a thousand. So. Um, Look, the economics, um, you know, are very positive in these projects because uh, the 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 exploration costs are modest and and the risk is is low around ex- exploration. Uh, we know the capex um, uh, because we've got two things to look at. One is Peninsula's um, recent announcement around the development of the back end of their um, plant at at Lance there. Uh, Aleutian precip drying circuit. I think they published a number around twenty million dollars for the capital component, and then we've got UR Energy, who've just moved on Shirley Basin, and they've got thirty thirty three million dollars around the development of the bore field and the uh, and the uh, the iron exchange tower. So that's pretty helpful. Um, doesn't tell you exactly what the bore field development cost is and how you whether you capitalise that or expensive over, over the life of the project. But that's where we get a number from. So we got a pretty solid number, you know. Uh, uh, Shirley Basin's eight point eight million pounds, six point four million pounds recoverable. So we know that the scale of these things is similar. So we got some really good analogous um, properties around us, and uh, so our numbers are not. And obviously, these are not jaw compliant numbers. I can't provide investment advice and all these things, but you can look at these at our neighbours and see some reality there. It's not just. Uh, you know, kind of made up on the back of a fag packet. So, you know, we think at, um, you know, I uh, think uh, UR Energy are talking about 30 to $35 all in sustaining costs, and I think Peninsula are talking about closer to 45 Now, clearly, 
Peninsula is an acid project because it's in the Cretaceous uh, formation. It's a different geology. It's a, it's an older geology, whereas our deposit is the same as uh, our deposits are the same as everyone else in the basin. They are in the younger formation, and they're all um, going to be an alkaline leach. So the costs are lower, but um, we may not get as high recoveries, but our costs are lower. But either way, if we said thirty-five to forty, or you said forty-five to fifty, even. You know, you're still looking at thirty, maybe forty dollars of free cash a pound, and if you can do a million pounds a year, or even five hundred thousand pounds a year, the economics are very, very attractive. So that's why there's all these plants here in Wyoming. There's and there's seven permitted, and we've got UR Energy in production. UEC talking about getting back to production this year. Energy Fuels with Nichols Ranch quite possibly back in production this year, although they're not being you know, overly um, uh, kind of concise about when it is that they're going to get back into production. And we're pretty sure that Cameco is at least having a good look at um, what they're doing in Wyoming. The Smith Ranch Highland is a 5.5 million pound per annum licensed ISR facility um, with a ball field development around it. So you know, it's not inconceivable that they might want to start turning that on soon. Okay, so those are some good comps though, but I say people can go and have a look at that and get a, get a sense of what the what, what kind of um, average may, may be, with, I say acid alkaline, et cetera. Let's look at the front end of that, which is the exploration, which is where you're at. You've done the confirmatory drilling. You're, you're going to need to do more drilling. Can you just, again, for people who are perhaps new to this, the type of drilling that you're going to be doing is going to be different from conventional hard rock drilling. So can you give us a sort of sense of that and why that Perhaps doesn't cost um, as much as commercial drilling. We're not, we're not looking for the uh, you know the glory hole, so to speak. Um, we're, we're drilling down to yeah, sorry, terrible analogy. We're drilling down to uh, um, historical drilling was around three or four hundred feet, um, and the Wasatch Formation that we're drilling into sort of extends down you know five maybe six hundred feet, so you know hundred meters, hundred twenty meters, that sort of thing. Now. Um, we're using mud rotary drilling. It's just like drilling a waterhole. So it's probably some of the cheapest drilling uh, that you can do on the planet. You can stand next to the rig and have a conversation in normal in a normal voice. Uh, so it's very low impact, low cost drilling compared to, say, a, you know, an RC or diamond drilling rig. Um, the costs are very modest. Uh, so what we are, what we do have to do though, is put in quite a number of holes. So if you look at the historic, the number of holes in the historical resource, you know our, our historical resource has got say eight hundred odd holes. So the risk around exploration is low. Uh, we can follow the oxidisation and reduction boundaries, and it's visible. And then we can get our results obviously with a gamma probe straight away as soon as we drill a hole. So we know whether we're in the juice or not, and we can tell visually whether or not we're close. So the, the exploration part of it is quite different. You know, we don't have to wait for weeks for lab results. Um, you know, uh, although everybody can use a gamma probe, but in our case, we've got you know good visual cues. So um, you know, the exploration uh, is low risk and it's of, of modest cost. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm wondering how a company like yours, what are you? So twenty million bucks, right? Um, there's there's a, there's a lot of them, and there's a bunch of stuff being dusted off. Uh, and being presented again as if they were brand new shiny objects. Um, there's a lot of competition. So positive uranium environment because price, spot price has been kind of moving through the, the phase. It's 93 bucks, I think, yesterday. Um, you're in a good environment. People are looking in. It, the, the narrative is, is, is positive and more people understand it. So how do you make yourself 
more attractive? How do you help people understand that you guys, with your track record, are here to do serious work and not just come along for the ride? Yeah, look, I think if we if you look back, um, we've been actively exploring in Wyoming and prior to that in Utah for the last four seasons. So, you know, we get out and we drill holes and uh, we're trying to add value to those assets. We're not sitting on things. And we've had to do a lot of work with the historical database that we've got to get to the point where we're able to not just declare a job resource, but also get on the ground, do drilling. We're able to do that in a period of you know, around a year, which you know, if, we got, if you look at where we ended up at the end of December. So it's really important to be able to show that you can actually execute ground, we believe, you know, to, to, to demonstrate not just to investors, but you know, to ourselves and all of our neighbours that we're a serious player and that we're, you know, we're here to do good work. We're not just using the pen to try and create value off the back of a, of a trend. So we're a very strong, we very strongly believe that the uranium production sector in the US is coming back for the long term. We believe there's a level of commitment and understanding that wasn't there, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, and so the long-term prognosis to go get move to move US uranium production back towards from zero, basically back towards 40 million pounds a year, you know, is underway. And so we believe that these deposits in Wyoming are part of a significant part of the future. Now, whether or not, you know, uh, they all get developed individually or somebody comes in and consolidates them. We obviously can't control any of that. All we can do is add value to what's in the ground and be intelligent about how we invest shareholder funds to deliver that value and hopefully deliver an improvement in the share price. Um, the market seems to be appreciating uranium stocks today a little more than it was back in November. Um, and so that's encouraging. Um, but it doesn't of, in of itself change what we're doing you know and uh, and so what we'll see over the next you know two three four months is our plan for our activity um, is getting firmed up uh, and you know we've got more drilling programs planned we'd like to be you know drilling not only on our low herma project to increase the size and the confidence of the resource we'd also like to drill on our green mountain project Um whether we get to do all that, we're not sure, but those are the things we'd like to do. Okay, and if, if I look at the sector at the moment, you've seen a lot of consolidation up in Athabasca um, yeah, yeah, Basin, um, and you know people at UC, Dennis and Arthur more recently, um, doing these doing these roll-ups of what, what they believe to be you know good, good solid projects. It's inevitable that Wyoming is going to come under the scrutiny of some of those groups I mentioned, some new groups coming up because the finance guys think there's, there's some money to be made here. How do you make yourself, you've got to do two things here as, as a smaller company. You've got to make yourself defensible to be able to kind of get to the point where you feel that you kind of create enough value and therefore enough return for shareholders. And at the same time, you've got to fund that, right? So without being dilutory. So how, how, how do you do that? You know, well, what are the options on the table for a player like you? Yeah, look, um, the obvious uh you know, option is is to raise further equity funds, but obviously, you know, we we don't want to do that in a way that's um, excessively dilutive to to our shareholders. And we've got a, a group of loyal supporters, and you know, we want to do the right thing by them. So uh, some of that's about timing things and about making sure that we spend the money, you know, as close as we can to the right time. Um, and uh, you know, and 
Yeah, look, there are other options that we're exploring. I mean, there are there is interest from various parties uh, in these assets, and it's not necessarily uh, only equity capital raising that's the answer to how we fund the company. There are other possibilities. Now, we don't obviously have anything at the moment that's you know would require announcement or that I can talk about. But suffice to say, we aren't just um, tunnel vision, you know, focused on on selling more shares. Um, however, that's likely that you know raising equity capital at some at some stage is going to be part of the mix. Yeah. Okay. And I, like, I appreciate you can't you if it was something you needed to announce, you'd announce it. But at the, at the same time, it's 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 that delicate dance that you guys have to you have to do um, to kind of keep your options on on the table. But it's clear the uranium sector is moving. It's doing the heavy lifting for a lot of a lot of companies. But you, your job is to say, well, here's how we play in that arena. Here's how we move forward. And that's got to be, I guess, going forward for you, more about this kind of growth component. You know, can you find more of it? You know, five point something is a good start, as you said. But you know, you're going to need to kind of show that scale into U.S. market, which is finally kind of working up to uranium and nuclear. So are you getting are any of those options um, funds from IRA or any other kind of government uh, departments? I mean, how active are they? Just is it all just chat and it's all kind of like downstream stuff? Or you know, do you, do you miners actually get a hand from the US government anytime soon? Look at this stage. Um, if, if you don't have pounds to sell into the strategic reserve or to deliver into a Halu. Um, enrichment program um, and you're not part of the nuclear power sector in terms of being a utility or perhaps someone who owns an enrichment facility or a, or a um, you know has a, has a centrifuge if you're outside of that at the moment there isn't anything directly available to the explorers now that wasn't the case back in the past you know in the 1970s there was a lot of money and um, support that went from the government to finding uh, uranium. And you know you had a lot of other players back then. You had the utilities playing. You know, and if you look at what's happened in lithium, with uh, with the with the with the battery makers and the car the car suppliers and the car manufacturers, they're vertically integrated back into lithium because they have understood. You know, as Toyota said, well they can't uh, they can't um, build that many lithium battery driven cars because they just can't get a hold of the lithium and they don't think that's the right thing to do. So the utilities. You know, if the crunch that we're reading about and hearing about is uh, is really that real, then the utilities will start to look beyond the current deposits and look at ex- exploration and development properties and look at you know whether or not they can actually get a strategic position in those to get off take, much the way the Chinese government does. Um, and maybe the oil companies will come back into the sector because the oil companies were a huge player back in the 70s and 80s. A lot of the exploration, historical exploration work that we've um, been taking advantage of, you know, came from the likes of, um, you know, Exxon or uh, or Pioneer or, you know, Union Carbide was a big player in this area. So the oil and gas business is very, very strong in Wyoming. Uh, they understand the property side of it. They understand the exploration side of it is very synergistic for them if they're interested in that part of the energy sector. Uh, and some of them have been playing in lithium. So why wouldn't they go back and play in uranium? So we can see some moves in that direction from more strategic players who uh, who really want to get uh, more involved 
um, in in securing supply for the future. Um, hasn't hasn't happened yet, but uh, you know it, it wouldn't surprise me if if some of that does start to occur. Now the Aussie market pretty strong at the moment. I mean. I think the Canadians are looking on enviously at uh, what the Aussie investors are, are doing or, and, what the, and how that's benefiting Aussie companies. And it's a positive uranium env- environment for, for sure. Again, I just going going back to this this thing about you know how how you play how you play that how you take advantage of that. You're so do you you, you don't you don't have an OTC listing, do you? Yeah, we do. We have an OTC listing. Um, Wait, which one? Yeah, OTC. Well, it's 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 o, just OTC Pink at the moment, but we wear OTC. Pink, okay, fine. Okay. We wear OTC QB, so we're fully compliant to be you know QB listed. Right. Okay. So clearly, you're in the in the. I mean, Peninsula's got been through the same same thing as same thing in the sense that they're a, they're a Aussie company in the the US, which is a very and, positive environment. Do you intend to do any more marketing in the US? Yeah. Look, we we did. Um, invest quite a bit of time and effort in marketing in the US. Um, you know, probably more eighteen months ago, we spent a solid year right. um, burning shoe leather and and uh, and a few air miles. And look, um, there's a strong interest. There was a strong interest, but at that stage, I would say it was a little nascent. And I think, yeah, yeah, you know, the company was probably a little early for the investor group. I mean, it. You know, if people are investing through the 401ks and the IRAs, they, you know, there are some restrictions, and in California, there's blue sky rules. So it's not, you know, it's not a straight line to finding investors. And from a um, a cost and time point of view, it's not the easiest thing from Australia, and that's just a fact. So, but we'll we're doing some things through the through the course of the next month or two to help um, bolster our position in the US on the ground, and um, you know, we we. You know, you can't get ahead of yourself. Like you, you can't you can't spend it all today in the in the absolute belief that you're going to get there tomorrow. It's sort of, you know, it is a bit of a game of inches. So we're now at the point where we can confidently start to uh, put some more feet on the ground in the US and you know be more active in the community. And it's not just the investment community; it's it's our peers, it's our neighbours, it's it's the industry more broadly. And so that's very much a part of our current thinking and our current planning. Um, so there's a limit to what we can do, but you know for sure. I mean, it's a US centric story. Um, they're very literate with uranium in the US, you know, compared to say Southeast Asia, um, and so it makes perfect sense to be investing some time and effort and in, in, in getting out and talking to people. And we certainly will be doing that for sure. Okay, Bruce. Well, look, I, look, I appreciate you coming in, give us the update, and you know, glad the kind of drilling went the way that you hoped it would. Um, we look forward to hearing more about how you uh, tackle 2024. Um, so stay in touch, okay? Yeah, great. Thanks for the chat, Matt.